What's it take to enroll them into the mission um, of the company? That's where we ought to aim. Instead of saying what's wrong with Gen Z and if they would just be like us, our life would be easier. Yeah, duh, everything. That, that conversation is easy one to have. Um, and it, but it's not, it's not the one a leader's having. A leader's saying, how do I break through? How do I make a difference with? I mean, if you want to go lead something, otherwise, you know, whatever, inherit, inherit the future of your complaints. You'll, you'll be complaining about the same thing six months from now. Am I being punchy all of a sudden? I'm realizing I'm being a bit punchy. <laughs> I love so it. I, I, you all listeners, I love you. That's why we're having this conversation. Stop being so damn normal. Are you struggling to find ways to connect to your Gen Z employees and team members? Are you confused about what motivates them? Then this episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast is for you. Hello, my friends. My name is Chad, and this is the Naked Leadership Podcast, high stakes conversations for relentless company founders. My co-hosts and I have over six decades of combined experience in leadership coaching, and this podcast is where we explore it all. There's no conversation too risky. In this episode, I sit down with Adrian and Dan, and we have a bit of a chat about leading Gen Z in the workforce. We talk about ways to encourage their specific mindset and how to understand their PVI, personal vested interest. Let's dive in. Gentlemen, so great to be with you. How are both of you? Oh, so great. Excellent, thanks. Ah, I'm so happy to be here. I'm excited to talk about this conversation. I, you know, I think I've mentioned on the podcast, I lead the discussion, a a once a month discussion at a local mastermind here that we've put together of business owners. And the, um, the most asked for topic in that group of 18 founders in my area was how do we work with Gen Z? The younger workforce that's here. So we're cap. When we talk about Gen Z, we're talking about 26 years right now, 26 years old and younger. They're coming into the workforce. A lot of them are are graduating with their degrees. They're jumping into companies, um, or have been for a while. And there are some unique characteristics, I think, that are defining at least being. And, and I don't know how to have this conversation without painting with some broad brushes. So I just want to be clear about that right at the beginning of this conversation, we're going to paint with some broad brushes. That's okay. I think is especially because we're going to dive into principles. We always do. And so the principles are, are universal, whether or not, whether or not somebody, an individual falls into each one of these characteristics that we're talking about. So, um, I just thought that was fascinating when I pulled our group of what they, the most pressing conversation they wanted to have um, in this mastermind was how do we lead the younger generation of the workforce? So I wanted to bring that conversation to our podcast, um, because I think it's interesting. I also know that you guys are going to both bring, bring things to the conversation that I wasn't even thinking about or considering. So, um, one, when I did some follow-up inquiry on this idea of leading the younger generation, um, as I was asking questions, almost all of them said, you know, well, you just, it's, it's just impossible to find good work these days. I just, I can't help but think that's probably a conversation that has happened in every generation, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I, I think, I mean, we're talking, you know, to, to some of your intro points, I mean, we're talking cultural, culturally, right? So yeah. culturally speaking, which is, uh, what is that? It's the set of norms of conversation uh, is the, the net, if you will, or the bowl, if you want to, or whatever, kind of the container in which activity comes out of. And most and each each generation's got its kind of trends of what the norms are and what's the, what's socially acceptable, um, what's expected, uh, what's championed, what's shunned, all those types of things. Those are those are distinct among generations, uh, at least at some time. And then, you know, generations then play off one another over time. But, you know, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the. And for sure, back in 1934, there were people that were very Gen Z-ish. We just don't talk about it that way. You know, now we, we paint with the big brushes and we lose the individuals. So I think it's a great conversation. I hear a lot of similar complaints when it comes to people. And it's a very socially acceptable complaint. Yes. Um, and very like gets you a nice long head nod. Um, from somebody else or a whole big story, a whole big, long story about, oh, let me tell you how hard it is for me. Um, you know, a complimentary complaint, if you will, uh, when somebody's saying it's hard to find good people these days. They're like, oh, yeah, let me tell you about this interview I had last week. <laughs> well, know? it's like, and what's the purpose of the complaint, right? Like what, right what is it on. getting you to complain about this? And like what I hear you saying, Adrian, and what I do see often even in this mastermind group of really high level operating, powerful, um, hard driving people is like almost that connection with each other of like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Isn't it hard? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's it's you're yeah. right. It is hard. Misery loves company and look how hard our lives are and look at what we can't do about it. <laughs> you know, so here we are. I mean, it's, you know, let's just say it is, let's just say it is okay. Great. So what? Now what? Like, what are we going to do about it is kind of the most is the most applicable question for us. I mean, we could go explore the complaint and keep exploring what's wrong with Gen Z. But that's what most people do. And if you do that, you're not you're not being a leader. Being a leader says I'm going to stand up and stand in and push in and challenge and support and, and take on any kind of circumstance that's coming my way for the sake of the mission. So anyway, so we'll perk our ears up if if we're leading, if we want to lead our way through, let's just call it complexity with how to engage the mindset and the socially acceptable terms of the Gen Z generation right now. What's it take? What's it take to enroll them into the mission um, of the company? That's what we ought to aim instead of saying what's wrong with Gen Z and if they would just be like us, our life would be easier. Yeah, duh, everything that that conversation is easy one to have. Um, and it, but it's not it's not the one a leader's having. A leader's saying, "How do I break through? How do I make a difference with?" I mean, if you want to go lead something, otherwise, you know, whatever. Inherit inherit the future of your complaints. You'll you'll be complaining about the same thing six months from now. Am I being punchy all of a sudden? I'm realizing I'm being a bit punchy. <laughs> I love so it. I, I, you all listeners, I love you. That's why we're having this conversation. Stop being so damn normal. Coming Stop in being hot. normal. Stop being normal. I just get. Uh, Anyway, I get fired up around. It's like, you know, just talking to a guy yesterday who was full of all of his stories about why he couldn't do something. And I said, man, can you just repeat after me? So what? Because every time I ask you a question, you tell me another story about why you can't. And I just say, so what? So what to that? Who gives a shit? And let's care about something that matters. So anyway, how do we break through? 
to 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 this kind of social norms of the moment. That's what I'd like to focus the conversation on. Um, I'm guessing that's really what what people want to hear if they're up for generating something new for themselves. So maybe it'd be good for us just to share some of the complaints that are here um, about Gen Z. Yeah. Well, I, Dan, did you have any, uh, just at the, at the start, it looks like you've maybe had some framing that you were thinking well, I, about. I don't want to get, as I was going on my tirade, as I was going on my tirade. Sorry. Dan, I didn't want to get it. I didn't want to get bulldozed into that bugger. I'd be down the cement nope. there. In the why, don't you shut the, why don't you shut up, Dan? Back to me. <laughs> that's enough. About, let's talk about you. What do you think of me? Uh, um, the Gen Z is, they're off, you know, they're called the Zoomers, but they're the most technically literate generation ever. Oh, for sure. And, and so one of the things that um, I was reading an article the other day about the Gen Z and that they, uh, they absorb information quickly. And they cut to the quick quickly, and they're willing yeah. to call things out quickly. Um, they also yeah, yeah. are, you know, if you're going to attract them, if you're going to connect with them, you better have a sense of a global impact, because mm -hmm. they they they're very sensitive to, you know, what they're doing here and how it affects the rest of the people on the planet. Mm, so they're big yeah. big vision, and they're niche oriented. They want. They have very interested, you know, they're interested in the niches they're in and how those niches influence culture, how those niches influence the world. And I think to many of the boomers and after that comes across a little threatening because I think yeah. they tend to, I think the generation just as a whole, and I, again, these are generalizations and there's always individuals, but as, the generation as a, as a whole, they're going to be more skeptical because they're taking in more information. They're not going to be easily taken in. And you're going to need to be able to have some substance to connect and walk with them. Not all yeah. information is equal. That's right. I mean, you think they, about being on that. the Internet. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and I, I'm thinking about to the thought of like, what's the complaint? I, the complaint, by the way, I love your your take there, Dan. Um, and the complaint I hear a lot is like how entitled they are. And, and, yes. I'm, and, 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 and I, I like the fact that I was just reading an article on Stanford as we're sitting here, they, they value direct communication, um, which is what you said, Dan. And I, and I, I find that really interesting. It's it, there's, there are a bunch of, I know there are things that we settle for and definitely in corporate culture, less so in entrepreneurial culture, like the people that we like to talk to, but in corporate culture, being gray is that being gray, being unclear is actually very social, socially acceptable ambiguous. and being, yeah. being ambiguous, right. And covering your ass and not putting people's names on things and not being direct and all that is very socially acceptable. So it makes sense why a Gen Zer gets in a conversation and isn't satisfied with the level of distinction. Right. And they want distinction. Give me distinction. Now, that can come off entitled like, hey, I need distinction to move forward. It's also just a principle. It's also like a pretty good idea, but it's going to come up against the maybe the, the group think that if we have a meeting that has no outcomes, we had a successful meeting. A Gen Zer might be in a meeting and saying, hey, this hour long meeting can actually be 15 minutes. If you just would you just send me, would you just do two things? Tell me why this is important and then tell me what to do. And don't what call do me. Text it by Damn it. Yeah. That's right. Why are we meeting? After we walked down the hallway, just text that to me. 
Yeah. Which, so there's, there's a, so ironically, there's an effectiveness and efficiency in some in some of these principles we're talking about here um, that I think get get brushed away um, because of I mean another great another prominent or prevalent complaint is kind of their preciousness of, of the Gen Z. You know, it's like there's there is a much more like a fragility. Oh, yeah, fragility and. I'm thinking like they really value what most people would call like a work-life balance or a desire after self-care or personal development, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it seems like less apt to sign up to be a company man. Yes. Now that's a, that's a threat. If you're a company man looking for your next company man, and all of a sudden they don't want to sign up for that game you're offering them. And you might call them precious because they want to go do a yoga retreat or they want to go whatever, show up to work at 10 o'clock and leave at six instead of show up to work at eight and leave at five, whatever. Yeah, that might come off precious, but it actually just comes off distinct about what their interests are. Right on. They're, um, they're, they're probably, I mean, they are, of all the generations, freer or less anchored into the industrialized mindset where people right have on. widgets trying to get. So they're going to be, they're not, they're going to resist that. And like any generation, right, they're going to have people that are really diligent and want to think through what they're up to and are going to be very particular. Then you're going to have those who are going to be, think more generalized and kind of go along with the culture. And, but my sense is, and the ones I've talked to that if you, if you are substantial and able to contain what they have to say, learn from them, uh, I found that they're real willing to work alongside they, they they want their voice heard. And I think, you know, when you get alongside somebody and you get in the field and you're, you're doing something together and they, they recognize your competency, well then, okay, they're, you're going to find somebody who's going to be much more up for it. But I think the biggest value that I've found is that they, they're not just going to be um, industrialized. They're not going to be necessarily, you know, uh, part of the, the group unless they get the herd. Yeah. Yeah. Part of the herd. Dan, they're less, they're less herd conscious. Dan, I think of the story you tell about uh, your grandfather hiring you to make the lawn green. Yeah. Would you, do you mind telling that real quick? Just cause well, I, I, I want to draw a line. Sure. When I was a kid, a young kid, I was about nine, I think I was eight or nine, maybe 10. And um, I, I wanted to play base. I was playing baseball and I wanted to, a new glove. And so I went to my grandfather and said, my, my dad asked him for some money to get a glove. He said, go get your own money. And then I went to my grandfather, asked him some money. And he, he said, why would I give you money? And he said, I'll tell you what, you make my yard green and I'll pay you $100 a month. Now, you know, in 1960, 1964 or 65, that's a lot of money. That's, that's like some a cheddar. lot of That's some serious I'm going to buy a team, not just get a glove. And um, <laughs> I'm pretty jacked. So, you know, I'm all excited. And I'm over there and I'm every day, I'm mowing the lawn, I'm fertilizing, I'm watering, and I kill everything. And, um, and it, you know, it, it's just not looking good. So I come back in after the first two weeks and I, and I ask him for my money and he gives me a swat in the back of the head. And he goes, what's wrong with you? Give you money. You haven't done your job. So I'm hurt, but I don't guess, you know, he's the patriarch, you know, okay, got it left, go home weeping. My father goes, what's wrong with you? And I tell him, Papa, 
spanked me or basically told me he was going to do this. I give him the whole story. Then he hits me. So my dad calls my grandfather and, uh, and uh, he comes back in the bedroom, gives me a swat in the head himself. <laughs> and uh, I go back and he goes, go back and talk to your grandfather. So I go back and I ask my grandfather why he does, wait, why'd you do that? And he said, look, man, I hired you to make the grass green, not to work hard. I don't care how much work you do or how little work you do. I care that the grass is green. I want you, if you cared about that, then you'd be, you know, you'd be doing your job. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm coming over maybe twice a week and Mm -hmm. doing what I have to do and, you know, planning it out. And it took me about a month to get the first pay, but it worked out. And I did it for probably eight, almost a year. And then, you know, went and got a job in a movie theater with, but it was some of the best training I ever got. Yeah. The line I want to draw there. I love that story. You tell that story uh, in the Revenant a lot. And and I love that story because it's connected to results, obviously, right? We can all get there without even it being said is that your grandfather was, was focused on the results. You were focused on the work or the time that you were going to put in the process. And I think a lot of Adrian, you brought up entitlement. What I see is like, a lot of what's being interpreted as entitlement is really this generation just saying, can we just focus on the results? Yeah. Like, can we just make the results happen? It doesn't, it doesn't matter if I'm in the office. It doesn't matter if I'm one, you know, starting work at 10 and ending at three. It doesn't matter if I have the yoga retreat, as long as the results are there, can we just focus on that? Well, and if it is entitlement, so what? But, you know, it's going to be different from an individual and individual, but to blanket a whole generation as entitled is pretty, pretty powerful. The only constant in an organization like yours is change. I want to take just a second to tell you about the change imperative written by our very own Dan Takini. How do you personally relate to change in your business? Does it feel like a threat at times? Does it ever feel like you can't keep up with it or that it never happens fast enough? Are there certain players on your team that resist change and keep your company stuck? Do you know how to lead people through the change that your vision requires? If not, it's impossible to take this thing to the next level. Growth, change, and transition, these intersections often come with confusion, frustration, and resistance. They don't have to. You can flip those experiences into clarity, confidence, and alignment with the Change Imperative ebook. It is the instructions for innovating with your team. So go ahead and click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Change Imperative now and feel confident about creating the change in your company necessary to go to the next level. Now, back to the conversation. So to, I think to your point is to slow down and probably if you're the one vetting new talent, it might be time to update your own operating system about what that takes to make sure this works. And it's part of what you're talking about, Dan, which is to vet the cultural, the kind of the internal biases, what the really their personal interests are, how they like to work, what do they expect of a boss, um, what, what does support even look like, what does challenge look like, how much... You know, do you need help with this versus that? And, you know, there might be very, it might be very distinct from your other teammates that have been there five years. It probably will be. And it's good to know early so that you're actually, 
you know, that, that points to another thing is if, is if leaders are willing to be agile, they're willing to actually lead somebody from where the, from where the person is not lead them like they like to lead. Yeah. Cause right everybody on. needs other things. Everybody yeah. needs distinct things. You know, I mean, most, most people we work with, you know, we've got this Harrison assessment thing we use, which vets interests and and preferences of players on the field. One of them that's really telling and almost, almost across the board is there's a, there's a score called once a capable leader. And, you know, that's usually really high for people we work with. At least I've seen that as a trend. Yep. I don't know if you've seen that, Dan, as a trend as well. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, once a capable leader, which means that when I look up, I better I want I need to really respect the the person I'm working for. Or I can't and, work right. I just have a hard time. I can't work with them. Right on. But that that indicates a certain type of connection. Right. So I like to be connected to the leader I'm working for. Other cultures might not, right? I do come across people. Um, I don't coach a lot of Gen Zers, but I do come, I do come across people that they don't give a shit. They're cool. Whatever that person's doing, that's fine. As long as they get out of my way, or as long as they're not too much dabbling, you know, with what I'm up to. And so anyway, vetting out that conversation about what they expect from leadership. And you better believe that there's grumblings among Gen Z about everybody else as well, about what it's like <laughs> to try to enter the workforce. And they don't come in as a blank slate either. Well, there's a there's a Gen Z poet. His name is Abrajani. Um, and I'm kind of clued in a little bit because I have kids and that and their friends. And uh, this poet, he right, I think he captured. He says, we're not born to accommodate tyranny over our over our hearts, minds, bodies or souls. We are here to confirm an abundance of love, inspired possibilities greater than such restrictions. I thought that was really powerful. So that it's a guy, you know, they're looking for, they get that there is, you know, they're looking for what's, what, who, how do we express ourselves outside of how we, how, outside of how we're historically told to, given historically what's happened brought us to this point of catastrophe or, or at least perceived catastrophe. Yeah. So, you know, as a, as a generation, or six behind them, it, it seems that it would be who my generation, the boomers, to take their that into account and not condescend, but actually learn as well as, because if I learn, I can teach. I think this ties into what you're saying, Dan, but adding to what you were talking about, Adrian, it's being clear on what they expect from a leader and the leader being clear on what they're, but the the way that I talk about it is I call it PVI personal vested interest. That's a, that's a, an acronym that I use with my clients because when my clients come and they start complaining about somebody that works for them, I, I, the first question I ask them and we've already established what all this is and you know, the power of it, I'd say, what are their, what's their PVI? And if they can tell me clearly what the PVI is, then we have a place to start, right? Because they're clear on what that person's personal vested interest, why are they there? And what do they expect? How do they expect the mission of the company to contribute to their PVI? 
then we can get somewhere. Then we have a common conversation and, and maybe a little bit of insight of why they're behaving the way they're behaving and what's missing, or at least an invitation to the conversation to find out what's missing for them. And I think that's one of the, I just think that's so brilliant as both of you bring this up is like, that seems to be one of the, the conversations most missing in this conversation about how do we lead them? They're lazy, they're entitled, they want quick pay, they want quick advancement without doing the work. Um, all of that. So it just seems like that's the missing conversation of what are they here for? How does this contribute to their personal vested interests, what they're what they're creating in their life? Well, yeah, I, I think it has huge cultural implications. I think you're going to see, you know, the the forms of government and and the exercise of the distribution of resources that have gone historically up until now are proving dramatically insufficient for this generation and going forward, which means you're going to see a reinvention of, of what it means to be in business because they're, they're far more socially conscious and eco, environmentally conscious than the generations that have led up to now. Um, and some of it's because, you know, things have been over-catastrophized, and some of it is because they've been under-catastrophized. Like there's, there's places where there's greater conflict than is being communicated or greater need than, than is being commu communicated. And there are some places where there's this almost urgent urgency, you know, it's almost a frantic urgency when that's really not the case. And I think as they mature and as they take leadership, we're going to see a new, some really, I think, transformational expressions of what it means to do business and what it means to live in a community. Because I think the crisis is, the crisis that we're facing, the crises that we're facing are going to be inherited by this generation. And 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 our mistakes and our and our successes are going to be their inheritance. So I, you know, I just think there's something to that. I think they, you know, you're either going to get depressed if you're one in Gen Z, or you're going to get excited about the contribution you can make. But that's going to have a lot to do with the kind of mentorship they get uh, from the generations before. Because it's yeah. radically moving. I mean, it's, we're, you know, we've seen just look over the last three years how the culture's changed and what's going on, right? Yeah, I think that's great. I remember <clears throat> it used to be a guy named Tim Sanders. You guys know Tim Sanders? Um, he was a, he was an early, um, I don't know, business cultural expert, maybe you fit like in the Seth Godin camp or, you mm -hmm. know, he had an early platform. I remember listening to him on a podcast. I think he's called love. I think he wrote a book called love is the killer app. He was like early at Yahoo anyway. Um, and I remember listening in an interview to this and I'll, I'll wrap quickly. He was talking about a book. This was probably 15 years ago. He was talking about a book called bowling alone, bowling <laughs> alone. And uh, it was really, it was pointing out around loneliness in the, in the, in the crowd. And I remember, and that, which is, you know, true, I think phenomenologically for people, 
is feeling disconnected, even in a, in a crowded room. And uh, he, he made this assertion back then, 15 years ago, that we're talking about right now, and it's really showing up in Gen Z, which is the, the shift for companies to be for good instead of merely for profit. Because this generation, more than anybody, wants to know their meaning. They're, they're like seeking meaning. Yeah. And like for something to matter and something yeah. I'm not going to sell out and go work for this thing for 15 years to maybe get the life I want. No, I want the life I want now. Mm -hmm. And how do and that's and that's comes off like entitled because other people paid the price for 15 years to go become partner. And these yep. are saying, no, I want to have the life a partner has now, which is a meaning conversation, uh, not a conversation about process. So it's it just, it comes up. It's like, you know, I, I'll just wrap here that we've got something to learn from this generation, mm -hmm. which is they want to live right now. And they're, they're not willing to be as compartmentalized as previous generations have been, where it's like, here's my work and here's my life. And I'll just let work be work and I'll get the best I can of the minimum time I have in this thing called life. And otherwise I'll just go, you know, do some work over here. And they're, th they're looking about how to integrate it all now. So, yeah. you know, we, you know, so if you champion the, that, that value, if, it, if you champion it and don't judge it and listen to it and integrate it, it actually has something to teach the rest of the organization. Yeah. And, and then it'll be possible to pass the wisdom of the ages. Right on. on to the generation because otherwise they're going to reject things that they're going to have to relearn because right. we didn't care enough to connect. Right on. That's right. Uh, right great, conversation. great conversation. I love this. We yeah. just scratched the surface. Thank you so much, gentlemen. I love both of you. Appreciate you. Bye-bye, everybody. Well, my friends, thank you so much for listening to yet another conversation on the Naked Leadership Podcast. Your listenership and commitment to the podcast means the world to us. If this podcast or these conversations has helped or inspired you in any way, would you mind going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a five-star rating and a glowing review? This helps us grow the movement and reach more leaders and teams. Finally, the greatest compliment that you can give us is sharing the podcast with your teams and the other leaders in your life. Until next week, bye-bye, everybody.